Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. So today, ladies, we are in book one of the Psalms, and according to W. Robert Godfrey, who wrote the book Learning to Love the Psalms, book one's theme is the king's confidence in God's care. We will look at Psalms 11 through 21 today. And Psalm 11 can be described as a confident psalm. All of the psalms in this section are written by David, and some have other musical notations with them. King David puts his trust in the Lord. He acknowledges the enemy and yet also acknowledges that the Lord sees and knows and reigns from heaven. We also see that King David strongly believes in the retribution principle. God will bless the righteous and curse the wicked. One thing my survey of the Old Testament textbook said that I found very interesting, which connects with the discussion yesterday about Sheol, it said, All that the Israelites knew of God's justice was its execution in this life. This made the retribution principle a much more serious matter for them than for us. Psalm 11 ends with the upright shall behold his face. And those of us who have read the New Testament and see that there is retribution at the end of life as well, we see in Revelation in that last book that the servants of the Lord shall serve him and shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And that's found in Revelation 22, verses 3 and 4. Now in Psalm 12, it's an imprecatory psalm, and King David cries out because it seems as if all the godly people have turned away. It makes me think of Elijah when he cried out to God as if he were the only godly person left. He was running for his life because wicked Jezebel was after him to kill him. God gave him food, rest, and then support at the calling of Elisha to take his place. But God also said that the Lord had 7,000 in Israel, which had not bowed their knees to Baal. That's found in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah wasn't alone. And King David, even though he felt alone, he also was not alone. Then in Psalm 13, it is a cry for help. And it starts with, how long will you forget me? Yet, even though King David feels overwhelmed with life, he still trusts in the Lord and in his mercy. And he will rejoice. Why? Because of God's salvation. And he will sing unto the Lord. Why? Because God has dealt bountifully with him. Ladies, even on bad days, there are things that we can be thankful for. And there are things to rejoice in. And there are songs to sing unto the Lord. But it is a choice of the will to do it. In Psalm 14, it starts off with, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. I don't know about you, but I know people in that category. I keep praying that their eyes will be open to the truth. 
It is also extremely interesting to me that we have a generation of young people who have not been taught that they are created by God. That leads to an understanding that life is chance and they do not get to know God's ways. I think that we see the repercussions of this teaching as we watch the nightly news. Then when we read Psalm 15, next to Psalm 14, in 14 we see the fool, and then in Psalm 15 we see the righteous. It's important to note that the righteous walk in God's ways, work in righteousness, and speak the truth in their hearts. Our religion affects how we live, how we work, and how we talk. Both Psalm 14 and 15 could be described as wisdom psalms. They instruct us on how to live. The one who walks in wisdom will never be moved, like in Psalm 1, like a tree firmly planted. The next psalm, Psalm 16, is another prayer or song of confidence. David is declaring his trust in the Lord. According to Dr. J. Stephen Yule, King David sees God as his refuge, his master, his delight, his inheritance, and his counselor. Again, in this psalm, we see the wording in verse 8, Because the Lord is with David, I shall not be moved. We also see that David is filled with gladness, joy, and hope. Here David also says that the Lord will not leave his soul in hell. This word hell is Sheol again. According to my study Bible, Sheol is translated in the King James Version as grave 31 times, hell as 30 times, and pit as 3. One of my favorite verses, and I have a lot of them, is verse 11 of chapter 16. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I think I love it so much because my life has never been clear what I was to do. I love the word of God, but what do I do with it? And ladies, I can testify to this. The Lord Jesus has always been faithful in showing me the path of my life. Now, it's never usually when I want it, and it's very seldom early, but he shows me the way to go. And when we walk in his ways, it does bring life. When we are in his word and in prayer and are walking in the spirit, in his presence is fullness of joy. Not happiness necessarily, but joy. And there is a difference. And then at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Walking with Jesus is anything but boring. It is full of pleasures and wonders that will be forevermore. This Psalm 16 is quoted in the New Testament by Peter in Acts 2 verses 25 through 35 and in Acts 13.35 by Paul. Peter is preaching. This is after Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down and entered into the believers of Jesus. So Peter, this is his first sermon that he preaches, and he talks of this psalm and says that David, their patriarch, is both dead and buried, and his gravesite is with them today. 
since David was a prophet and since God promised a fruit of his loins to be on the throne, well, it was meaning Jesus, the Christ. God would raise him up to sit on his throne. In this psalm, verse 10 says that God will not leave my soul in hell, Sheol. Neither will thou suffer your Holy One to see corruption or decay or destruction or the pit. In the Greek translation of this verse, what I mean by that is the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The majority of the New Testament is written in Greek. So Peter has it written in Greek. So the Greek translation of the word that he used, which is translated hell, is the Greek word Hades or the place of departed souls. It also can be translated grave or hell. Yesterday I said maybe I would start looking into this when the summer came, and I guess the Lord doesn't want me to wait that long because it seems to be found in the scriptures we're dealing with today. What Peter is saying is that David's body saw corruption and it has decayed. But Jesus did not decay because God raised him up from the grave. Oh, wow. In Psalm 16, it says that your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And then in Acts 2 verse 33, we see that Peter says that Jesus is at the right hand of God exalted. In Acts 13, the apostle Paul is preaching And he says, starting in verse 35, he uses this same passage and says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, he fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and he saw corruption. In other words, his body decayed. But he, meaning Jesus, whom God raised again, saw no corruption. And it is through this man, Jesus, who is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe are justified of all things which the law of Moses could not do. Jesus is the path of life. In Jesus is fullness of joy. In Jesus, who sits on the right hand of the Father, are pleasures forevermore. Wow, I love connecting the New Testament with the Old Testament. The next Psalm, Psalm 17, begins and ends with confidence. And then in the middle, we see imprecatory. We again see a difference between the righteous and the wicked, which we saw way back in Psalm number one. Psalm 18 is almost exactly like 2 Samuel 22, except there are a few differences. These differences may be due to the taking of a personal song, this is King David's song, and then making it so that others can sing it too as a celebration in the royal throne. Well, verse 1 of 2 Samuel 22 is the description that we find under Psalm 18. It was written after King David had victory over all his enemies, including Saul. This song, Psalm 18, is a song of victory, a song of the king, and a song of thanksgiving. Chapter 19 begins with a verse I needed to memorize for my evangelism class. 
Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and their expanse shows his handiwork. The first six verses talk of the wonder of creation. According to C. Hassel Bullock in An Introduction to the Old Testament Poetic Books, he says, Man's heart is turned so easily to sin. Hatred, greed, and disobedience are part of his infamous baggage. Without God, his creator, he is orphaned in the world. But despite who man is, God sees him as his special creation and seeks to redeem him. One thing I noticed in the reading of the Psalms, the creation of the world and God as creator is a big deal as we worship the Lord through the Psalms. The Apostle Paul in Romans 1 verse 20 says that the creation of the world, which is clearly seen, shows everyone that there is a God and people are then without excuse. Paul then goes on about how people still refuse to believe. And then Paul goes into talking about the law of God and how it shows that we are sinners. Here in Psalm 19, David, the second half of this psalm, then talks about the law of the Lord. It starts that the law of the Lord is perfect because it reflects who and what God is. Here David uses different words of the law. We have testimony, statutes, commandments, fear of the Lord, judgments of the Lord. Here these words are building upon each other. We've also seen all of these words used throughout the Old Testament in reference to the law of the Lord. I also love the last verse of Psalm 19 verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What we meditate on and what we think about strongly influences our actions and our words. The last two Psalms, 20 and 21, that we're looking at today are connected. They are kingly Psalms. Psalm 20 is a song for when the king leaves for battle. We see in verse 4 of Psalm 20, May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your counsel. And then in the next Psalm, Psalm 21 verse 2 says, You have given him his heart's desire, and you have not withheld the request of his lips. That's one of the reasons why it's important to not just look at the one Psalm, but look at the Psalm before and after to see if they go together. In Psalm 20, verse 7, it says, Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. Over and over and over again in Israel's history, the battle was not won by who had the biggest army, but Israel won when they obeyed and trusted in the Lord. Psalm 20 has a touch of imprecatory, because they are going off to battle the enemy. But 21 is mainly a psalm of praise. Verse 7 says, The king trusts in the Lord, which is the central point in this psalm. This psalm is written in a poetic form called chiasm. C-H-I-A-S-M. Godfrey, in Learning to Love the Psalms, points this out very clearly. 
Hopefully I can do it justice. There is section A, the first verse, the strength of God. The last verse, the strength of God. Then section B, verse AB, which is the second half of verse A, and then verse two, king gives the desires of his heart. But in verse 12, the enemies are given complete defeat. Then C, in verse three, the king is given a rich crown, while in verse 11, the enemies scheme and fail. Section D, verse four, The king is given length of days, but in verse 10, the enemy's descendants die. Section E, verse 5, the king is given victory and glory, but in verse 9, the enemies are destroyed. Section F, verse 6, the king is given blessings in God's presence. In verse 8, enemies are seized by God's hand. So why was the king given these things? Because of verse 7, the center verse. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. That truth applies to us too. To whom or to what do you place your trust? As with the king, blessings come when we trust in the Lord. So today, ladies, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. Instead, let's be women who trust like the king. And let's be women who pray and obey. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.